Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative, and I am super, super excited about our topic today. If you are a frequent listener of the podcast, which you should be, you know that Cherryland is really passionate about taking care of our community. We consider it to be one of our core values, and that we take very seriously our responsibility to work on behalf of those who are most vulnerable in our community. For a while, we've been discussing the need to provide energy efficiency and basic housing upgrades to our neighbors living in substandard... I'm sorry. That's okay. Allergy season. Anyway, we've been talking uh, quite a bit about the, um, the need to do basic upgrades for people living in substandard housing, many of whom don't have the resources to make those investments on their own. And they often get left behind in some of the, the traditional energy efficiency and home upgrade programs because of funding. And that's why we are so excited to be announcing here today on the podcast a new partnership with Habitat for Humanity Grand Traverse Region. We're partnering with Habitat to launch a program called Priority Home Repair, which other habitats have, but to launch that here for the first time in our region. So joining me today to discuss this exciting new partnership are, of course, Tony. He already introduced himself via cough. Hi, Tony. Hello. Thank Good afternoon. Uh, and, and many of you know Tony as our general manager and trusty leader. Also here on the Cherryland side is Frank Sipker, our engineering and operations manager. Hey, Frank. Hi, everyone. I think you've been on the podcast before, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Okay. Well, he's going to wow us with his next time around. And then on the Habitat side, we have Wendy Irvin, who is the executive director of Habitat Grand Traverse. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Thanks for having us here. And also Nathan Kalchik, who's a project manager. And the way he describes that is he organizes everything at Habitat. So thank you for joining us, Nathan. Uh, my pleasure pleasure. Thank you. He's going to keep us organized if we get off track on this podcast, is what I heard. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, who invited Nathan? No, I'm just kidding. So uh, t- to kind of get us started before we maybe get into the details of the, of the program with Habitat, I'm hoping that uh, Frank and Tony, you guys can help me explain to our listeners kind of how we got to this point and the process that we went through to decide it was time for Cherryland to, to kind of move into this space. It's been quite a long process. We've spent a, a number of years supporting Freedom Builders and all the good work they do in the community, and we just felt the need to do more. And we went through an extensive process of looking at a business plan and should we uh, form an organization ourselves, maybe a 501c3, a subsidiary of the cooperative, and went through that process. And during that time, I had a conversation with Doug DeYoung, the chairman at Habitat for Humanity, and we both agreed, why should we reinvent the wheel if Habitat was going to go down the road of home rehab, which they had not done before, but they're, they're about to. So that's kind of the short story of a several-year process to, to get here. I think the other piece is with our active field employees that we have that are so passionate and committed to our community, we're out in the field every day. We're, we're dealing with the homes and the members that are struggling. And you know, we, we see this firsthand. We, we see the, the homes that have, are in need, of immediate, in need of immediate repair. We see the homes with weatherization problems. We, we struggle through our energy use advisor helping people who can't afford to pay their electric bills because they're so high because they couldn't afford to pay their propane bill and it's off. So now electricity is the only thing they have to heat their homes with. And it's such a large portion of our membership that we deal with on such a regular basis. We're all very passionate to try and help these people. Yeah, and one of the things I think that as kind of a management team we had talked about several times is just that, to your point, Frank, we were seeing this need, and to your point, Tony, we were working with other partners, and all we could see is that the 
the scope of the need that, that there was no one we didn't we didn't have enough kind of local it's capacity greater to start. than the solutions yeah. that are in place today exactly. yeah exactly. yeah there's great people doing good stuff but we need more we're not we're not keeping up and that that was our desire is to do more and Frank, you've done uh, just kind of like looking, we've looked through some of the data we already have in our system. Mm-hmm. So data about our, the bills our members face, their ability to pay those bills, and then what our field employees see. If you have to predict the scope of the number of homes we think are kind of in that immediate desperate need for help today. Yeah, you know, we think there's probably close to 10% of the homes in our system are in need of some relatively immediate heat uh, help. Probably five, half of those or so are really needing physical repairs, leaking roofs, broken doors, broken windows, you know, really substandard uh, repairs required. And the other half of that group is really just kind of in that weatherization category where they're spending a lot more energy than what they should be. And if they could get some some weatherization done going from single pane to thermal pane windows or insulated doors or, you know, a combination of that, you know, air sealing, there's all these, all these, all these fixes that can be out there. Those, those little changes could make a huge difference in what their energy needs are in their home, and it could really help move from where they are to a place that's a much more comfortable place to be. And when you're talking 10% of the meters we serve, we, we serve 35,000 meters. So you're at, there's 3,500 homes in need today. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, we're, and we're going to probably talk more about this in a little bit, about the different types of things we might do in terms of repairs. But this isn't just an energy efficiency thing. These are homes that aren't even safe to some extent. And one of the things I've, I know we've struggled with, my uh, energy use the energy use advisor for Cherryland, Tammy, works with me in my department. And when you walk into someone's home with a rebate for a refrigerator, for example, available, and they have a hole in their wall, that, that is an incredibly dissatisfying place to be. And so we just, we, we really do have this kind of, we see these people who are, to your point, like in desperate need of things that most people take for granted. Yeah, we have a lot of things with our energy waste reduction and, and other efficiency programs we have for rebates to make improvements. But again, they're not, they're not basic need improvements. They're, they're moving to the next level of from something that's reasonably efficient to something that's super efficient. A lot of people just aren't even to the reasonably efficient point. And, we really were struggling to help those people with the resources we've had in place historically. Mm-hmm. So I want to um, kick it over to you, Wendy, because I know uh, other habitats already have this kind of priority home repair program, or some of them do. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works and why Habitat uh, Grand Traverse Region was interested in pursuing a program like this? Yes, absolutely. First, I want to say that our vision from a Habitat perspective is, is truly a world where everybody has a decent and safe place to call home. Uh, So part of the history of the home repair program started, the first year of the program was the Neighborhood Revitalization Program, and that was a statewide program with Habitat Michigan. Uh, But the focus was energy-efficient upgrades as well as energy waste reduction, and certain things surfaced from that work that we were doing. The, um, The greater need, the priority home repair piece came to light, and as we were working with families individually side by side, we recognized that there was this critical home repair, that priority need, that home preservation aspect that we needed to identify. And so we took a look at that, and then the transition from the neighborhood revitalization program became the priority home repair program. Uh, We still do the work of um, weatherization and energy efficient upgrades, as well as brush with kindness, so there are certain components and tiers of the home repair program with the highest level of focus on the priority home repair. And you guys were already having conversations about launching something like this in our area. We do home repairs currently. Uh, this opportunity and this partnership is beautiful for us because we can, we can 
increase our capacity. Got it, got we certainly it. know there's a need out there. Uh, across the state, I checked into the data across the state, and as a, in the last fiscal year, habitats across the state have performed 623 critical home repairs. Uh, actually, 623 home repairs, 65 of those being the critical home repair. Wow. So, Tony, can you just, I, I think I probably should have started with this, but can you talk a little bit about what Cherryland's commitment is to helping Habitat get this going and what that's going to look like? Yeah, it's it's going to be $100,000 a year uh, for three years. We're going to pay that money out quarterly. And where does that money come from? It, it comes from what we call unclaimed capital credits. Over the last 10 years, Cherryland has given back $23 million to co-op members when we make money, uh, every member gets a share of, a, of our profits. That's the co-op model, which we've talked about a number of times. Well, when we issue that $23 million, typically 10% of that goes unclaimed. We can't find them. They've moved. We don't know where they live. And the state of Michigan allows us to hold that money for five years, and we continue to try to find them. And then at the end of the five years, it becomes permanent equity at the co-op. So it sits on our balance sheet. So when we can take money out of that unclaimed fund, it doesn't affect our rates in the in the present year. It just affects our equity a, a little bit, and we have uh, <clears throat> we have pretty good equity. So a hundred thousand dollars off our our total equity is is going to make a minimal impact on our financial uh, targets that we look for to comply with our mortgage. I'm stammering a little bit on, and, the, no, on, that, on the details, but... <laughs> yeah, no, that, told, that, that but that was exactly what I was looking yeah. for, is just to help people understand where the money's coming from, because one of the things I think is really beautiful about the way we're approaching this is that is money that is our members' money, and when we couldn't find them, we're now reinvesting it back into their community in order to make this place better. That, that's the key point. It, it's members' money that was supposed to go back to them in the first place, can't find them, so it's going to go back into the community they once lived in mm -hmm. and do some good. So it's, it's a win-win for all of us. And, and I am a Cherryland member, and I will say, if you couldn't find me, but you were able to do something like this with that money, that to me just feels like a, that's a really beautiful way to leave an impact in a community. So mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Frank, I interrupted you. Did you have something? I was something just going to help you get to where we just got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a good, you can come back on the podcast anytime, Frank Sipker. <laughs> so, Nathan, we haven't talked much yet, but so you've, been, you've been working with Habitat for about a year now. Yes. Can you talk about the types of projects you've worked on, what types of things you guys do when you go into a home? Well, primarily, I've been working on the new construction that we've been doing. Um, we've been working on getting more home repair projects going, but um, we're, uh, when I started, we were just finishing up a new home in Fife Lake, and we have since then are almost um, done with a house in Maple City. And those houses have those uh, uh, energy-efficient uh, components to help those um, um, new families uh, save money and save energy. So in the end, it's it's what we're trying to do with our home repair program. Um, you know, the, is an extension of what we do in our our new homes. And do you guys hear anything from the the people you've helped about how big of an impact having lower energy bills has for them, or how that that impacts their their lives? Actually, I can speak to the Depot neighborhood, which was a net zero energy goal. Uh, but we look at energy conservation first in all of our builds. And then if we're able to, and, we're, and the location is conducive to solar, we add that renewable energy. But I just had an opportunity to visit with some of the families at the Depot neighborhood last week. We had a member of the international team come and visit the community, and we took a tour of the project. And we had an opportunity to speak with one of the homeowners who 
uh, is a family of six in their household, and he asked her very specifically about the energy savings. And she said and described to him that she was living in a 40-year-old home, and now they're living in an energy-efficient house. They were spending several hundred dollars a month to heat or cool their home, and now they're spending $40 or less Mm -hmm. a month. And this is where this program is so valuable to us here at Cherryline. That home that they just moved out of that they were spending several hundred dollars a month to heat and cool and whatever the case may be, someone else probably moved into that home, right? So the, the goal of this program is to, is to not just move people into new energy-efficient homes, which is great, and we fully support that, and, and that's wonderful. But we don't want to leave a home behind that is now in that now is a bad situation for someone else to move into because they don't have a better option. So that's where mm-hmm. our, our initiative of this program and our passion this program is we want to make sure we don't leave leave these homes behind that are in rough shape. We want to get those those up to some kind of an acceptable standard as well. Absolutely. We, we just got the 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 motto for our program, leave no home behind. There you leave go. No home behind. <laughs> I, and I love that you pointed that out, Frank, because I, I still remember kind of when we first started to realize, oh my gosh, we might be thinking about starting an, a, a, a subsidiary mm-hmm. nonprofit. And that was actually a part of the conversation as we said, hey, this is really cool seeing momentum with things like the, the depot neighborhood and some of these other projects Habitat's working on. And yet, I'm still, I've still got field employees driving by that same yeah. home, and now there's a new family living there struggling with those 200 or $300 bills. And we see that in my, my department a lot. Uh, we deal with our members with billing issues, and we're the call center. And the, the stories you hear, right, of, of two, you know, 10 people living together in a home that is leaking energy, and they're doing the best they can. But honestly, I, who can afford a three or $400 a month? Uh, energy bill very few people and then some of the people who are least able to afford it are are the ones that are stuck with it and they have no better option yeah which is what's for me what's so inspiring and exciting about this program is we kind of came into this from the beginning and said we are going to design a program that doesn't leave people behind we're going to figure out a way to use Mm -hmm. our members on claim capital credits to uh unrestrict funds so that we're not creating a program that has reasons to say no we're creating a program that has reasons to say let us help you with that well and and with the habitats critical home repair program their their approach has always been um yeah we want to do windows maybe one of those things we want to do but we want to look at the house and say what is the most important thing mm-hmm. and a lot of times that has that has roof um furnace uh, water heater, those types of items that are actually, um, they could be threatening their health. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they've gone into homes before where the water heater wasn't properly vented and there's CO2 going into the home. They don't even know why they're getting headaches and they're, they're trying to figure it out and, and uh, Habitat has come in and, and, and recognized that that's an issue and got that fixed and changed their life. Mm-hmm. put a roof over their head right. so it's it's the health issues to health and safety come first and then the energy so you kind of work out from the right. the shell and then and right. what else can we do right. and through our program also once you walk into say somebody contacts us about their roof we do a an analysis of the whole house and you can go through and say okay well if we're going to do your roof we need to look at your water heater your furnace and do an overview of the whole house and really uh, address what needs to be addressed in each one of those houses. Right. Nathan's right about that. It's a very holistic approach that we're taking. We're looking at the full system in place and we're considering the occupants of that home mm-hmm. and, and making that priority level, you know, looking and working with them very individually and identifying that priority level need first. So I, actually just to, I want to make sure I get to this. So if someone were to apply 
to participate in this program. Kind of help walk us through what what your process is and what types what 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 will happen next. Right, we would receive the application or the interest to participate in the program, and then we would evaluate their need by doing an assessment. We would send somebody out from our core team who is skilled at evaluating the need, or a third party hers rater who could go in and and talk to us about that. And then we would look at the funding sources, and that's a process too. So making sure that we have the funding in place. It would be the same approach that we use for our current home builder program with Habitat. Uh, we look at that need, that ability to partner and ability to pay, willingness to partner and ability to pay. And what types of things do you anticipate? And Frank, maybe you can jump into, and even Tony, we've done a lot of these projects, but what types of projects do you anticipate you will find need to be done when, when you go in and do some of these assessments? Roof doors and windows. There's a lot of what I've seen. Yeah, back to this holistic approach. If the if the back, if the shell itself is not complete, any money you put inside of it is is all for nothing, right? right because right. if you're in there fixing a hole in a ceiling, fixing drywall, fixing insulation, but the roof's leaking above it, it's just gonna the problem's gonna self perpetuate and come back and back and back. So you've got to make sure you've got a solid shell, you've got a weatherized package, and then you can look at improvements and upgrades. And and to your point, the safety, carbon monoxide, and other things of this nature, other electrical hazards, gas hazards. Those need to be part of that initial investigation, and those need to be taken care of up front. A lot of times, they'll provide energy efficiency themselves, right? You know, those improvements will make a big difference as well. Right, mm -hmm. right. We're also looking at the population that we serve, too. We serve, we have a veteran initiative, so that's a, a population that we like to focus on. We have the aging population. Um, so anybody who needs affordable uh, home repairs that fall into those at-risk populations, we like to help them as well. So it, right now, how many people are you all helping through your priority home repair program like if you look back over the last year or two or five however I don't know if you have any numbers well we're just really f starting to focus and roll it out okay. we've done a few okay. uh, every year but we've really been focused on new home builds this yeah. is a nice extension and you know capacity building opportunity is it's the right thing to do most affiliates around the state are working in the home repair uh, capacity and it is the right step the next step for us I, I would like to share, uh, we, in fact, we just finished one, um, one that hit me. The gentleman walked into our office one day, and uh, he lost his wife, um, an older gentleman. He lost his wife about a year ago, and his house was in really rough shape. And he just, he needed a win. He needed somebody. It gets me choked up every time I talk about it, but this guy... You know, um, you could just tell he he needed somebody in his corner, and his roof needed it, uh, needed repair, and, and a couple other things. And through our our program, we were able to help him get a new roof. And you know, now he he to this day still contacts some of the people in our office just to talk. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's changed his life, um, honestly, and it kind of changed mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've had examples like that, too, where sometimes it seems like a really little thing, but just having someone, one, not feel like their home is a burden to them, but also suddenly a home that they're a little more proud of than they were before, and that starts to spill over into believing in yourself in other ways as well and having pride in other ways as well. That's true. The quality of life, that's um, economic stability, that um, sense of security. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
it re- in listening to Nathan's story, it does remind me of a single mother that we served a few years ago, and I remember her sharing the story when she met me about living in a 100-year-old home, uh, raising her three children, and when it rained, the rain would just come through the roof, and she'd put out the pots and pans. And, of course, that made her very anxious. Uh, you know, it wasn't a safe environment for her to live in, but when Habitat was able to partner with her and work um, directly with her and provide her a new home and, and ultimately fix that, you know, roof repair for her, when it rained, she had a, the peace about her. And, you know, I think those things we take for granted. You know, you and I, when we hear the rain now, there is a peace in listening mm-hmm. to the rain. But if it's coming through your roof and it's not a safe environment for your family, that presents such hard, hardship and stress. Mm-hmm. We were able to eliminate that from her. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd, the reason I'd ask is kind of what have you done now? I'd love to hear what, now that you're looking at expanding this program, you have the commitment from Cherryland, potential other funding sources available. What are your projections for what the program's going to look like a year from now or even three years from now in terms of the number of people you'll be able to serve? There are affiliates around the state who are producing um, 12 home repairs, and there are some that are doing 90 a year. So definitely we'll fall in there somewhere. <laughs> but our first year when we rolled fun. out. 85 yeah. is fun. It's fun. So we're between 12 and 90. Okay. Well, it is interesting because that's one of those things that um, Kathleen from our office that I've that, that has worked, we've worked together towards this, this program is um, getting the word out that, that we're, we're expanding this program too. I mean, that's why this podcast is good. And I really look forward to this partnership because you know, so many times you have so many different groups trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we have two groups here trying to do the same thing, and we're going to get together, and we're going to pool our resources, and, and we're going to do a better job at it because we can pull those together, and I think it's going to be great. Um, and then, you know, I think it's going to build. I think, you know, maybe it's maybe it's 10 projects in the next year. Maybe it's, you know, 50, you know, by, by year four, you know, or something. I don't, you know, you don't know, but you really got to get the word out and then um, – there's just a, a variety of projects. I mean, it could be as, as simple as um, a deck with, with, you know, to a house that is dangerous for somebody to even walk on mm-hmm. to get in their front door. It could be that simple. Or it could be something more elaborate like a, a roof and a furnace and, you know, windows or something. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be quite a variety of projects. You, you guys use volunteers at times and contractors at times. Uh, how do you tell or I, I think, you know, it's going to be a feeling out process, but I think you're going to have to uh, partner with some contractors a lot of the times to be able to handle that volume. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's projects like we, we've done in the past, we've done ramps and stairways and that sort of thing that a, a group can volunteer and do. But then a lot of these, like uh, the furnaces, the water heater, that's all licensed contractors anyways. Mm-hmm. So um, you're going to be kind of dealing with both. And in today's environment where everybody's busy and the contractors are booked up, you, you don't have trouble finding contractors to do these you can, ones I'm, and twosies? I think that's the other thing, building those relationships and, and finding those contractors that maybe want to partner with us and, and do, you know, maybe all of our plumbing work or, you know, whatever bid on it. So once we get this program up and running uh, and expanded, I think that we can – go to those contractors and hopefully get them to buy in just like we are. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and to your point, Nathan, the other thing I think, one thing I think is nice about this partnership is the fact that it allows us to leverage the things we're both really good at already, right? right. I mean, we're already kind of out in our service territory. We have a ton of exposure to the homes in our service territory, uh, but but we don't do what you do. Right. And so the ability for us to, to, to put some resources into supporting what you're doing and then also back that up with kind of what we're seeing going on in our service territory, I think is really lovely. But the other piece I'm kind of excited about, and I don't know what will happen, I do believe this is a potential to have kind of trailer funds fundraising happening. So to the extent that we show proof of concept that Cherryland is committed to this, I just could see other community partners getting excited about it and hopefully getting on board with it. I don't, maybe that's a little too optimistic, but I think that's a, there's opportunity there. That, that was our goal from the start when we were looking at the standalone entity under the Cherryland umbrella. Mm -hmm. We we were going to need that. Mm -hmm. So I'm hopeful that those people come on board with Habitat and in time. We can we can fund this and do and get to that eighty five mm-hmm. number. And there's still the potential that you know possibly some of this could be self funded back through energy savings, right? Mm-hmm. So we we haven't totally eliminated the fact that some of these members, if they're saving a hundred dollars a month, maybe they can pay fifty dollars a month and a or five dollars a month or ten dollars a month, something back into the program to help pay off some of the expenses that went into it. So, and you know possibly we could do that through an on bill financing thing with the Trailline members. And there's lots of opportunities that are unique that we can bring to this as being part of the utility and the Mm-hmm. community for sure so so um speaking of the on bill financing option one of the things when we were talking early on about this program we talked about the the big challenge nobody ever wants to take on which is renters so it's one thing to come in and make a repair in a home that someone owns that's a that's a fairly easy relationship model right you own it i'm going to help fix it up you now have a higher value item you own right. it gets much more complicated with renters but what we do know Uh, is if I were to sit down today and look at the last 500 phone calls we've taken from someone who's really struggling to pay their bill, chances are 450 of those don't own their home. And so that we, we just know that we have to start to tackle that. And, and we had talked at one point about the fact that we have a relationship to the meter, right? which is tied to the human living in the home, regardless of who they are, as and an opportunity. And to the physical home. Yeah. Both. Yeah, we're like one of the only entities that could potentially bridge that gap between owner and renter. Um, so even if that renter entered into this program now, if they were to move on for whatever reason, that on-bill financing could follow that home mm-hmm. as opposed to following the renter. And then the people living in the home, enjoying the benefits of the whatever investment we've made, yeah, have, would be still helping to pay it back. Tony, do you have anything to add in the renter Just conversation? That, uh, we need to get the landlord on, on board as well. So shout out to the landlords out right. there because everybody's going to say, well, you're going to benefit if I'm going to fix your home. What is your skin in the game? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. So you have the the, per, the renter and the landlord and the nonprofit and the utility. So <laughs> it, it, it gets a little more complicated, but it it's a, it's a nut we have to crack because mm-hmm. you're exactly right that a large percentage of our people in need are in uh rental housing mm-hmm. yeah and Wendy you and I've talked about the fact that you know there is a there is other funding available out there for for this program and we think that you know there's an opportunity for Habitat to tap into some of that funding are you aware of any other funding that is unrestricted in terms of home ownership or is Cherryland's funding currently the only I want to go back and say that I love the strength that we both bring to the table here. I really do, and I look forward to investigating the data as it comes to us and some of these things that Tony and Rachel, we talked about before and evaluating the 
the um, rental opportunities and seeing the need there. Uh, but from a funding perspective, yes, you're correct that most of the funding that we receive is restricted to home ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cherry Land is unique in the way that you're able to unrestrict it to serving a different uh, community, a different population. That's something that, again, I'd love to look at the data with you and, and take a serious look at the need and expand upon our current program, and I'd love to have that opportunity to move into that, that mm-hmm. area with mm-hmm. you. Um, we do have other funding resources, and uh, it's, it's, we need somebody to really manage and navigate through the process. That's a piece of this because there are um, we currently are working with MISHTA and Consumers Energy at the state level. They match their dollars, and they participate in providing funds at a local level to Habitat affiliates across the state to do the home repair program, the priority home repair program. There are other partners that we have, like the Federal Home Loan Bank of Indianapolis, and we work with our local member bank, First National Bank, to achieve those dollars to put in the home repair program. I'm aware of counties that have very specific home repair programs. Some some of them are very Mm veteran-specific, but most of these are pretty restricted dollars, uh, and so navigating through that system Mm -hmm. is is a challenge, but we're up to to doing that work, that good work. And I can see how that would be a big challenge, too, because then all the different funding sources come with different types of restrictions, and it's kind of figuring out how do you get the most out of all the dollars available for you by, oh, well, yeah, I like you and you're eligible, but since you're a veteran, I'm going to put you over here and take advantage of veterans' dollars over here, and I like you and you're eligible, but since you're a homeowner, I'm going to put you over here and take advantage of homeowner dollars here, et cetera, et cetera. That's another reason why we partner with Habitat, so they figure that out. So we don't have to. (laughs) We we didn't have to. (laughs) There are definitely rebates and reimbursements that we want to take a look at, and I know some of them even come from Cherryland Electric Mm -hmm. yourself, but we want to take a big picture look at that and leverage those dollars, like you said, to make the most out of this partnership and to make the most opportunity for the homeowners and the, um, the, you know, the renters that were that were trying to to help secure that that strength stability and self-reliance is what we refer to yeah I just wanted to say I I like uh, Tony's comment about having to crack that nut when it comes to the the renters because just sitting back and saying well we can't do that because they're renters you know somebody's got to attack this and and take a chance and say we got to try something, even if it ends up being wrong, and then and then we figure out what's wrong with that, and we adapt and we change until we do find something that works. Because you're right, there's such a huge group out there that if we just say, well, they don't rent the place, we can't help them. Nobody's going to help them, and that's not going to change. And and so they're stuck out on an island somewhere, you know, with no help. And and that's a huge, huge piece up here. So uh, yeah. we got to find a way through that. I think that's one reason why uh, I'm so passionate about this particular working relationship that we have now is seeing the passion from the team here at Cherryland and and your willingness to take on that that innovative, you know, opportunity to serve the at-risk population. Yeah. Well, we're we're just dumb enough to not know what can't be done, so we'll just keep, we'll keep pushing that way. We're we're running up on our time here, so I I just want to say I really appreciate you all taking the time to sit down and talk about this. And I think as this partnership evolves, we'll probably have more podcasts where we touch base and talk about what's working, what's not, and what the program uh, looks like. Because we're still really in these very early stages of figuring out what it's what it's going to look like, but it's exciting to work on it together. Uh, so I did ask everyone to bring a fun fact. And so we're going to go around the table really fast with fun facts. Frank, kick us off. So I have a fun, fun, hack, fun, fun, fun fact here. Okay, good. Let's try and say that five times fast. <laughs> so tankless hot water heaters are very energy efficiency. You know, they came to us from, from European nations where, the, where space is a problem and energy is a problem. 
but we tried to we tried to Americanize those. So we tried to take a small point of use tankless on-demand instant hot water heater and make it big enough to feed a whole American household. And that that doesn't really work. And so you get, it's something you need to think about if you're thinking about tankless hot water heaters. Think about the amount of water you're actually going to use at one point in time, and that needs to be sized for that. And if you size it for two showers and a bathtub and and a kitchen sink and another bathroom sink and a rec room basement sink you're not going to be able to get a tankless hot water heater that's big enough to serve your needs without overloading your electric panel. So. And if you ever have any questions or are looking at things like that, we do have an energy use advisor on staff who is more than happy to answer questions. And Frank is brilliant. <laughs> Wendy, did you bring a fun fact? Absolutely. So I just wanted to share a little bit about Habitat as a whole. Um, it was originated as a grassroots effort in a small farm in Georgia. Uh, and since then, from 1976 until now, it's now it's a lo- global nonprofit uh, housing organization. Habitat has, is the second largest private home builder in the United States, according to the 2019 uh, Builder 100. And in the fiscal year 2018, Habitat improved housing conditions of more than 8.7 million people around the world. Wow. That's a, that's a big wow. impact. That's awesome. Nathan, well, did you bring – I, I guess – Nathan, you get to go next. <laughs> yeah, top, top that. <laughs> I, I can't 8 million top, people in the world. Come I, on. I can't top that. I guess I uh, it was more just of a, a little point about myself. Um mm-hmm. I come from the Kelchick family up in Leelanau County, that the excavating company up there, and cherry farmers, and mm-hmm. and uh, we've and it's kind of neat for me um, through my grandfather, my father, my uncles being in the excavating business, business and construction. You know, they did everything back in the day from, you know. Um, digging a hole in the ground for a house to moving houses to building roads and stuff. So we were on the ground helping people um, back when there was, you know, a thousand people in Leelanau County, my my family. So it's it's kind of neat to see that evolve and, and me being involved in this program. We're going back out into that community and helping those same people or their relatives. So, so you're still in the family business is what I heard out of that. Well, I, always, yeah. yeah. Tony? Mine deals with the co-op family. We talk about Cherryland Electric Co-op and electric co-ops a ton, but there are all kinds of co-ops across the country. And people don't stop and don't stop. They don't realize that uh, Ace Hardware is a cooperative. They're independent owners of Ace Hardware, but every independent owner of Ace Hardware has the opportunity to participate in a purchasing co-op and participate in the profits from that purchasing co-op. So when you shop Ace, you're shopping co-op. Yes, and we do love co-ops. So like Nathan, I'm, I'm going to go with a personal fun fact, and you guys will be surprised because I very rarely go here with my personal story, but I think it helps to explain why I'm so excited about this program. I was born in a uh, mobile home that my parents rented in the country. My dad is amazingly smart and had a loving family, but he did not come from very much. And uh, we moved out of that home when I was six into the first home my parents ever owned, and they scrimped and saved to get out of that mobile home. And it was, when the wind blew, it felt like the walls were gonna fly off. When the weather got bad, we went to my neighbor's garage out of fear that, you know, cause tornadoes and mobile homes, right? Um, so anyway, I just, to me, this renter thing matters because I've seen it matter in my own family and my, my dad's ability and my parents' ability to work hard and get us to a point where we could buy a home was dependent on their ability to control our cost and have a safe place for their kids. So I'm really, really excited that you all are a part of this and that we're going to take on these hard things and ask these hard questions together. And I'm so, so excited for our members. So if you are out there listening and this program sounds like something that might be of interest to you, 
check out Cherryland's website and Habitat's website. We'll have more information, and the actual application process will be through Habitat's website. But we will have all that information on both our websites and in the uh, comment or caption for this podcast. So thank you guys all for joining me today to talk about this. Oh, you're My welcome. pleasure. Great. Okay.